Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Isn't it great just to remind yourself of what Jesus has done? Amen. Oh, what a Savior. Oh, what a Savior. Where would we be without Him? Where would we be without His mercy and His grace? without his love, and we're so thankful that we can receive that and then walk in all that he has supplied and applied to us. Amen? Go with me, if you will, to Romans chapter 12. Somebody likes Romans chapter 12. I think I just found your favorite verse. We'll bring you up here to preach this thing then. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 12. I'm going to start a a series of messages. I know right offhand. Sometimes I don't know that. Sometimes I just minister and we see where it goes. And uh, but this time I know that we're going to spend some time here. Um, The word that keeps coming to me is distinguished. Distinguished. I want to talk about how the church is to be distinct, how the church is to be set apart, how the church is to look different, how the church Uh, is going to be, I believe, even more so in these last days, contrasted. Uh, Contrasted not just with the world, not just with darkness and sin and and those kind of things, but I think we're going to see, as we've been talking about the last several weeks, uh, the the idea of kingdom kingdom versus religion, that God's plan is, was not to establish a religion or just simply a way of of thinking or a way of living, but he was establishing a kingdom. He was establishing a governing order in the earth. And if we're going to live that out, if we're going to fully bring to the earth what the church is called to bring and be what the church is called to be, then we're going to have to learn how to um, embrace the distinguishing factors of the church. We're going to have to embrace the things that make us different. We're going to have to embrace the things that set us apart. We're going to have to embrace the things that may cause you to be the one standing out in a thousand. Y'all hear me? Uh, the, The world condemns those that stand apart. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. You want to know who's for you and against you? Just stand for your convictions. Just believe wholeheartedly in what you believe, and nothing sways you. It doesn't matter what people allow and adapt to. It doesn't matter what people tolerate and even celebrate. You stand for your convictions, and you watch how the world responds to that. And you'll find out real quick what side of the line you're on. But we live in a society in a world that condemns people that stand for convictions. The same people that are... are, are, Uh, crying out for people because they're not accepting and they're intolerant are just as intolerant of you when you stand for what you believe in. Isn't that amazing? I thought you were for, you know, uh, you know, being accepting and, you know, believe what you want to believe. But the second that my belief doesn't align with your belief, now all of a sudden you're not as accepting as we thought you were. You're not as tolerant either. Everybody's got a threshold. Everybody's got a line. Everybody's got something that, you know what, I'm not going that far. And believers and the church and and Christians in these last days, it's going to become very more and more apparent 
the line that was blurred is coming back into focus. Y'all hear me? I said, the lines that were blurred, they're coming back into focus. And we need a church that's going to establish some holy, biblical, moral convictions back in the earth today. And I don't care what others are accepting. I don't care what others are doing. I don't care what others are allowing. I don't care what they're celebrating. Just this past week, I I read an article. um, You know, this month apparently is Pride Month. And uh, so, you know, every business, every company, uh, and every sports team, uh, you know, every celebrity all of a sudden becomes an advocate of, you know, this debased thinking and this complete immoral, uh, you know, uh, mindset of what love is. That's really what is on trial today is what, what is love? What is real love, right? And so I just read this article. It was actually from ESPN. I was pretty surprised that they even posted it, but I know why they posted it. They were posting it to call out and to shame and to criticize but there were some individuals that played for the Tampa Bay Rays that decided they did not want to wear a jersey that had a rainbow patch on it. And there was another pitcher on another team. I can't remember what team it was. I think it was the Cardinals that called them out for wearing or for, for, for not wearing the patch. It's just so funny to me. And so the one individual, I wonder if I could actually find it real quick, because what what he had to say, you know, it it wasn't all the way there, but it was was definitely better than most. Um, His name is um, Jason Adam, Ray's Pitcher. Jason Adam. It's a hard decision because ultimately we all said what we want is them to know that all are welcome and loved here. But when we put it on our bodies, I think a lot of guys decided that it's just a lifestyle that maybe not that they look down on anybody or think differently. Always have to give disclaimers when you're talking about this stuff. It's just that maybe we don't want to encourage it if we believe in Jesus who's encouraged us to live a lifestyle that would abstain from that behavior. It's not judgmental. It's not looking down. It's just what we believe, the lifestyle he's encouraged us to live for our good, not to withhold. So basically, he's he's replying and he's saying, this is why we've chosen not to wear a particular patch. And, you know, even in in the comments of this particular post, there were individuals are saying, well, then I guess we can decide not to, you know, wear the camo jerseys, you know, on uh, Memorial Day weekend. And I guess that means we can decide, uh, you know, not to wear, you know, in baseball, they all wear the number 42 on Jackie Robinson Day because Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier and introduced black people into uh, baseball back in 1946. And so, um, you know, uh, maybe we can, uh, you know, just all decide, you know, there's a line. And deciding that I'm not going to accept some depraved level of thinking when it comes to relationship is not the same as supporting our troops that are fighting for the very freedoms for you to wear whatever you want to wear on your jersey. 
And don't even try to compare this to racism and the uh, just as debased thinking that because of someone's skin color, they can't do what someone else can do. But this is what they want to do is they want to put it all on the same playing field. So we treat it all the same way. It's not. And at some point, there's a line. At some point, there is a, 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 a threshold we're not willing to go over anymore to tolerate and so then what happens is, is just what happened in this case, a distinction shows up. A distinctiveness, a distinguishing factor shows up about the church. And the world doesn't want you to embrace what sets you apart. The world doesn't want you to embrace what causes you to stand out. And I, I know for the most part in our country, being a, a God-fearing country and what we were founded on and grounded on, we enjoyed the comforts of, of, for the most part, people accepting that you're a Christian and accepting that you're a believer. But I'm telling you, we're coming into days where it's not going to be so accepted anymore. And not just in the world, there are many so-called Christians that won't accept the level of standard and measure that we are called to keep in the last days. They're called the religious community. And so we've got to establish some boundaries. Boundaries bring blessing. Boundaries, boundaries safeguard your life. If they don't, then go ahead and raise a home with a toddler that doesn't have anything covering outlet sockets and let them touch anything that's hot and burning and, and let them, you know, jump off the stairs uh, having, you know, no care for their own life. No, we have safeguards. We have boundaries. We put things in place that keep us within a certain place so we don't go wandering off into destructiveness. God gave Adam and Eve a boundary in the garden, and the blessing was in the boundary. You know they could eat of every other tree there. But it's, it's sin and the temptation of it that wants us to eat from the one thing he told us we can't. So we have, to, we have to keep from allowing this erosion of standards to continue to take place. Somebody's got to raise the standard. Somebody's got to keep the standard. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, I'm going to read it out of the Amplified Classic. You, you know what this verse says. In the Amplified Classic, it says, Do not be conformed to this world or this age. So he's not just talking about the earth you know, uh, uh, literally, he's talking about society, its ways of thinking. He's talking about its values. He's talking about its moral compass or the lack thereof. He's talking about the way that they behave, the way that they respond, the way that they think, the, 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 the way that they speak to one another. Do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to it's external, superficial customs, fashioned after and adapted to. This is what I know about conforming. It happens if you don't give attention to it. Conforming is what happens accidentally. When I'm not giving intention to be transformed, as we see by the renewing of our mind. 
This is what we have to understand is that nobody makes the decision, I want to be conformed after the world. But they become conformed after, after the world because they aren't being transformed intentionally by the renewing of their mind. Does that make sense? So we have to keep an ingredient engaged at all times, and that is a pursuing of what is important to God. Because adapting is the natural digression of matters. That is naturally what you will become if we are intentionally running after what is God's. Fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitude. So right here we understand that when you've come out of the ways of the world and you come into the kingdom of God, you're given new values. You're given new ideals. You're given new ways to respond, new ways to behave, new ways to think, new ways to act, new ways to speak. He, he changes all of that. He transforms all of that. God changes the stuff that you want him to change, but he'll also start changing the stuff you maybe didn't think you wanted him to change. He doesn't leave any of it undone because there was nothing in our way, nothing in how we did things or performed things before Christ that would impress God. There was nothing in your previous life without Christ that is worth dragging along, dragging along and keeping a part of your new life. Just go ahead and make the decision now. I'm going to abandon Every little thing that I used to do, there's not one thing that I want to hold on. There's not one thing that's worth keeping. There's not one, one idea worth following. Just go ahead and abandon it. It's just like what we sang about. Here I am. On my knees, I surrender. And I surrender all of it. I can promise you there is, there's not one thing. In fact, I just read a quote uh, just recently. Billy Graham, I think, said this quote. I don't know one person that has accepted Christ that has ever regretted it. That's pretty amazing. There's not one person that has walked away from the world and come into the kingdom that says, man, I really wish I didn't make that decision after all. No, why? Because this life is far superior to anything we could have done before. So it's not the elements that I want to be like the world. I want to conform to the world. But it's the lack of intention and attention to the new ways, the kingdom ways, that we tend to fall away or we don't fully abandon and neglect the things in our previous living. We've got a new way, new ideals. By its new ideals and its new attitude, it says. So that you may prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God? Even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. In the Passion Translations, it, it reads this way, uh, verse 2. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. That sounds distinct to me. That sounds distinct to me. Now, I don't want to get on a, a pastoral soapbox. I don't want to, uh, you, know, I, you know, us pastors, we can easily 
you know, talk about what's happening and what's being tolerated and what's being allowed. And, 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 but, but I'm telling you right now, over the last 20 years, we've seen more of the world creep into the church than there ever should have been. And I'm not calling people out, and I'm not telling you which ministries to follow and which ones not to follow. That's up to you to use discernment and, and use wisdom in, in not just what they do and how they go about doing, but also what they preach. But there were lines crossed in the last 20 years that were blurring where does the world end and where does the church start? There's too much of it. At some point, we have to retain the holiness of the house of the Lord. At some point, we have to retain the holiness of this, of this platform, the holiness of this pulpit, the holiness of this sanctuary, not for men to come into and sit in a seat and listen and, and, and throw $20 in a bucket, but to truly be moved and transformed by the Father's love. But they can't be transformed by the Father's love if we're too busy crippling and, 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 and challenging everything that the Word of God sets up as a standard. At some point, the church has to stand up and say, you know what, this is just the way he's called us to live. And I promise it's a better life for you. I promise there's blessing on the other side. But that can't come. That can't stay. You can't bring that in. You can't do it. And it's not us being hard. It's, it's not us being difficult. It's not us being exclusive. But, I mean, look at Jesus' ministry. Being a disciple of Jesus was one of the most exclusive things there was. People tried to follow his ministry, and he talked them out of it. <laughs> Are you sure you want to? Foxes have holes and, and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his I need to go bury my dead father first. Let the dead bury the dead. You come follow me. I mean, that sounds pretty hard to me. The 2022 version of that, yeah, there isn't one. Now, I'm not talking about a God that hates you. I'm not talking about a God that doesn't want anything to do with you. I'm not talking about a God that's waiting for you to measure up. He, you measured up in Christ. You measured up in Jesus. But why would I waste such an amazing, phenomenal sacrifice by continuing to live outside of his plan? Why would I do that? No, if I have real value for the sacrifice and real, and real value for the gift and real value for the price that was paid, then I'm wanting to align everything. I'm not looking at the code of conduct and trying to uh, uh, make it align to my life. I'm looking at my life and saying, what's out of alignment and how can I get it in alignment with that? There's got to be a standard. There's got to be a standard. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. And then he identifies this, but be inwardly transformed. See, that's what that means when it says by the renewing of your mind. Where's the mind? It's internal. See, religion wants to change you from the outside in, but the kingdom changes you from the inside out. That's the difference. Religion says do this, do this, and do this. Now, it's not the list that's wrong. It's the motivation. The list still needs, the, the code of conduct is still there. 
But now I'm being motivated to do that from the inside out, not from the, if I do that, I'll be good. No, because I'm good, I do that. Because of what he did, I do that. It's not being good to get to God. It's because I got to God, I can be good. You see the difference? But the enemy, again, as we've learned the last several weeks, his deception, his tactic of of distorting values and distorting motives and manipulating agendas if he can't get you, if he can't keep you from following God, then he'll keep you following God for all the wrong reasons. He'll get you to do this, but with a wrong heart, and you become a Pharisee, and you become a hypocrite. No, he says, be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation. That, that's pretty exclusive, total. I mean, there's nothing left out. We're not leaving anything undone. We're not, this isn't, you know, I'll give him eight out of 10. I give him 95% of my life. No, we're supposed to give him everything, right? Spirit, soul, body, mind, it all belongs to him. He wants all of you. A total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. This is what the word distinct means. I looked it up. This is just the Webster's Dictionary. It means this, recognizably different. Recognizably different in nature from something else of similar from of similar type. Recognizably different in nature. Recognizably. That's the word that stands out to me. It's identifiable. There's no, uh, you know, I, I, I talk about this a lot, but in Acts, I think it's in Acts chapter 11, that was the first time the believers were called Christians. And they didn't hold a board meeting. They didn't get the top disciples there. They didn't have the congregation all vote on what do we want to call? What do we want to be called? No, they were called that from outsiders. Why? Because they were recognizably different. They were recognizably different. They were identified as followers of Jesus. You remember what they said, I think it's in Acts chapter 4, they're turning the world upside down. Actually, they were just turning the world right side up. They were getting it back to the way God always wanted it, the way God always intended it to be. See, altered people alter societies. But until you're changed, you can't change what's around you. See, you're not the only thing God wants to change. That's where we're going to start. But he wants to change you so you can change the world around you. I want you to go into Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. I want you to go into the the world, preaching the gospel. But what comes first? I need changed individuals. I need transformed individuals. I need people that are not on bended knee to the world. I want people that are not conformed to what's around them because how can I change it if I'm conformed to it? 
If it's changing me, how do I ever stand a chance of changing it? If it's, if it's ruling and reigning over me, then what chance do I stand to ever rule and reign over it, according to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26? We got, we got to, it's easy to buy into what the world values. It's easy. And man, they have the best ways to drape it. They have the best ways to polish it up. They have the best ways. They, they, I mean, some of them will even go as far as to use scripture or nuances of it to make it sound like a Christian thing to do. And it's going to take some massive levels of discernment in these last days to see through all that garbage and call it out for what it is. But the more that I'm changed by the world, the less impact I can have on it. The more that it is changing me, the less I'm changing it. And really, every day of our lives, we have a barometer. We have a slider moving from left to right. Am I, is the world changing me or am I changing it? And, and in any degree, joking along with a joke that you know isn't that funny. Come on. Chiming right in with the gossip that everybody else is doing. The slider's moving from one end to the other. But every time you stand up, Every time you're a person of conviction, every time you speak truth in the midst of lies, every time you stand up for what is valued by God and you, you, you watch that slider move further to the end that says, no, I'm changing it. I'm being distinct. Recognizably different in nature. It also means this, distinguishable by the senses. Notice that the the distinguishing factors are recognized by them, you're not having to verbalize it. You're not having to tell people, I'm a Christian. If you have to tell someone you're a Christian for them to know you're a Christian, <laughs> we might be missing the mark somewhere. It should be recognizably different. So clearly apparent as to be unmistakable. That's what it means. So clearly apparent as to be unmistakable. That's a believer. That's a Christian. At the very least, they ought to recognize this. They're not like us. Maybe they don't know what you're of, but they know you're not of them. The word sanctify, this is the Greek definition for the word that's used for sanctify in the New Testament, it means this, purify, consecrate, make holy. Purify, consecrate, make holy. It also means this, to separate from. The word sanctify means to separate from. The reason why this life that is distinct and this life that is set apart is so important is because this is the key. You got to understand this. If you don't understand this, you'll miss everything else. You'll miss the value of everything else. You're not merely trying to get from here to there. 
If you were simply existing to get from earth to heaven, you wouldn't need to be sanctified. You wouldn't need to be set apart. You wouldn't need to be distinct. You wouldn't need to be distinguished. But Jesus showed us a life in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in in 33 and a half years, but really just three and a half years of ministry. He showed us a life that wasn't trying to move people from earth to heaven, but he was trying to move heaven to earth. He's trying to broker the realities of heaven into the affairs of man. He's trying to show people a different way of living, a new way of operating, a new way of thinking, a new way of of overcoming even the challenges and the struggles and the trials that this world brings. Anytime Jesus mentioned trials and tribulations, he never mentioned it in light of you're just going to have to deal with it. You're just going to struggle. It's just the way things are down there. He said, be of good cheer. He said, walk in victory. He said, overcome. That's what Jesus said, and that's what Jesus did. The reason why Jesus was asleep on a boat when everybody else was uh, fearing for their lives is because he had brokered the realities of heaven's peace into the affairs of man. And even in a, a, a devastating storm that could cost them and take their life, he does not operate as man does. I would say Jesus's response was distinct from the other 12. Would anybody agree with me? I don't find any one of the other disciples saying, what's all that commotion up there? We're trying to sleep. In fact, they go and they wake up Jesus. And what does Jesus say? He gets up on the boat and he said what? Peace, be still. You can't give away what you don't have. But because he first became peace, he could give away peace. That's called distinct. Got a lot of Christians trying to give away what they don't have. You know what peace does? Sleeps in the middle of a storm. And that's just one example. And even the examples that we do have in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, John later writes and says, if I wrote down everything Jesus did, there wouldn't be enough. If the ocean were ink and the sky was paper, wouldn't be enough to record all that he did. Of, of what? Just being a nice person? Just being a good person? Showing us the, the power that God has? No, he was showing us what you have. Showing us what you and I were placed in this earth to do. So that's why being distinct is so important because the more and more I engage and conform to what's around me, I lose the capacity to transform what's around me. And I lose the capacity to bring in, usher heaven into. I mean, if we're literally going to be heaven on earth, I mean, I want God's will done in Valdosta as it is in heaven. You ought to go into your workplace every Monday morning and say, at my workplace as it is in heaven. I mean that. I'm not just giving you religious rhetoric. I'm not just uh, just trying to be a good person. No, I'm literally, you're literally coming against every situation saying, how can I alter this to look like heaven? How can I show them what heaven looks like? How can, not just miracles, signs, and wonders. Now, I'm talking about bringing peace in the midst of fear. 
When everyone else is worried, you're calm. When everyone else is sick, you're healed. Come on now. When everyone else is fearful, fear ought to be one of the greatest indicators of which side we're on. There should just not be anything we fear. I'm serious about that. I've even heard people in their, in in as much sense as they have, in their good heartedness, try to alter the definition of fear. I heard one pastor say one time, "I, I let fear ride in the back seat, but I don't let it drive. Does that sound like perfect love that casts out all fear? I mean, we, we, we find silly ways to adapt because we feel, and this is the thing, that the enemy ha- has tricked us and trapped us into, if, if I'm too distinct from the world, I can't reach them. Have y'all seen this happen? Yeah, this is being played out. Well, got to stay relevant, preacher. There is nothing more relevant than the word of God. And I don't have to alter it. I don't have to, to, to misshape it. I don't have to manipulate it for a 2022. It doesn't need an update. Your phone might need an update, but this does not need an update. It's good, the same yesterday, today, and forever. It is the standard, and there is no other way around it. The Holy Spirit's just as relevant today as he was in Acts chapter 2. Sickness and disease is just as much curse as it was in Galatians chapter 3. The the stripes that he took on his back are still good today. It'll never run out. There's no expiration day. It is good from here to eternity. But we act like over time, our value as Christians and our value as believers is diminished. It becomes outdated. It starts to expire. So I have to find ways to keep it fresh. I got to find ways to preserve the gospel. <laughs> it's time to get back to being as distinct as we're called to be. As distinguished. That's why I said, that's why I used the word embrace it. Embrace what makes you distinguished. Embrace what makes you different. Embrace what sets you apart. Just get comfortable in being the only one. Just get comfortable speaking in tongues. Come on, get comfortable laying hands on the sick, believing they will recover. Get comfortable choosing a life of holiness and purity over the lost immoral values of the world. Get comfortable standing for your convictions based on the word of God than than going with every whim and every thought the world introduces. Get comfortable. Get comfortable being silent when everyone else is screaming and get comfortable speaking out when no one else has anything to say. Get comfortable. We got to learn how to live here. Got to learn how to stay here. In John chapter 17, I'm going to show you something interesting here. John chapter 17. Start with um, verse 13. This is the passage where Jesus' life is about to be 
handed over. He's actually praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is his prayer that he prays to God just before his life is handed over, just before he's arrested. And in verse 13, he says, Now I am coming to you, God, uh, Jesus speaking to God, and I speak these things in the world so that they may have my joy completed in them. I have given them your word. The world hated them because they are not of the world. It says the world hated them because they are what? Not of the world. Of means source, means where you came from. So right there, that should give us an indication of what we're supposed to be pursuing, what we're supposed to be going after, what we're supposed to be, be becoming like, what we're supposed to be uh, uh, embracing, the, which values. I'm not of the world. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. There was no value. There was no uh, uh, embracing in Jesus's life of anything of the world's cultures, the world's values, the world's opinions, the world's ideals, not whatsoever. And I've even heard people try to manipulate that, that Jesus related to the world. Jesus did things. You know, Jesus was probably the most unrelatable person. to anything in the world. Jesus was probably the most set-apart set individual this world, this planet has ever seen. I mean, when you are literally God in the flesh, when you have literally walked this earth without sin, without spot, without blemish, when you have the ideals and the values, the opinions. Uh, you know, people ask me that a lot. You know, what's your opinion on this? And what's your opinion? I don't have an opinion. Everybody wants me to have an opinion. Everybody wants me to, to use a platform to, to push one thing. I don't have an opinion. I can tell you what my king said, though. I'm an ambassador for Christ. You know what an ambassador is? An ambassador is one sent by the home nation. Ambassadors don't have their own idea. They don't voice their own idea. I can only tell you what my nation says. I can only tell you what my king says. I, can, I don't care how I feel about it. I don't care if it's something that I fully embrace, but I'm an ambassador of a nation. Therefore, I embrace what I'm a part of and who has sent me and where I come from. And that's the way Jesus operated his life. He didn't have opinions. He said, I can tell you what the father said. Me and the father, we're one. We are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. He says, I am not of this world. I am not praying, here it is, that you take them out of the world. But that you protect them from the evil one. Now, listen to this. Sanctification is not isolation. Some people have taken this far too literally. 
And they say, well, to be set apart from the world means I can't be around them. Well, good luck with that. And some people have gone as far as to set up their own little camps, their their own little compounds, their own little communities. And they geographically set themselves apart from the world. That's hilarious because in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, I already quoted it earlier. Jesus said, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm going to send you into the world. Go into Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part, meaning every crack and every crevice. Don't leave a stone unturned. Get all of it. You got to see this now because if we don't see sanctification accurately, then then we're going to start removing us from the very situations, scenarios, and opportunities God is trying to send you into to transform it and change it. This isn't transform it from a distance. In fact, he says right here, I'm not praying that you take them out of the world. If he wanted these disciples to be set apart, that would have been the answer right there. Please get them out of here. Get them away from this place. This horrible, dreadful place that, that's, that's full of demons and full of uh, demonic activity and, and, and full of immorality and, and everything's just falling apart. You know what? You know what? The, uh, uh, I think it's Second Thessalonians. We're going to look at it later. I think it's in there that says that, that we, the church, are literally the ones restraining God's wrath on this earth. Did you know that? You think it's bad today? Wait until you see the church raptured up out of here. You, do, you don't even know what we're holding back. You don't even know what we're keeping God from doing to this place. You don't even know how we are standing in the gap for the world and we're calling on the mercy of God. Give them another chance. Give them another chance. Give them another chance. He says, I'm not praying that you take them out of the world. I mean, that would have been, the, that would have been the, the answer right there. If you want to be set apart, if you want to be distinct, if you want to be distinct. No, he's saying, I want you to be set apart from the inside out so that when you go into the world, you can change it. You can alter it. You can bring heaven to earth instead of just becoming more like the earth. I'm not praying that you take them out of the world. But that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world. He says it again. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I want to look at this in the Passion Translation, starting with verse 13. But now I am returning to you. So, Father, I pray that they will experience and enter into my joyous delight in you so that it is fulfilled in them and overflows. I have given them your message, and that is why the unbelieving world hates them. For their allegiance is no longer to this world. I love how he puts it. My allegiance is not to this world. Guys, my allegiance is not to this country over the kingdom of God. Yes, I just said that. I'm proud to be in this country. I'm proud for everything this country stands for at its core. But at the end of the day, if it comes to be between the kingdom and the United States of America, I'm going with the kingdom of God every time. 
We've enjoyed the benefits of, for the most part, being backed and supported by a country and its laws that somewhat align with biblical values. But there's coming a day, guys. I told the church when President Trump got in office, I said, we probably have four good years. And you wait. Because every value, every ideal, every opinion, everything that the word of God calls as a standard, it's going to be challenged. It's going to be tested. It's going to be, uh, uh, it's going to be, oppression is going to be brought against it. And we're going to be a people that at some point in our lives are going to have to determine, am I going to stay with the word or am I going to bow to the majority? Well, what if it goes against the country's laws? What if it goes against the governing authorities? You know that most of the New Testament was written by people that were thrown in jail and eventually killed by those same governing authorities they told us to pray for. Paul said, pray for your leaders. Yes, he did. From a jail cell after disobeying what those said leaders told him to do. That tells you everything you need to know. At some point, there's a line. I'm not going across it. I will honor the laws of this land as much as I can. I will obey to the best of my ability. And I will honor those in authority to the best of my ability. But the moment you challenge where I stand on this, you're going to come against some hostility. Because I will stand for this every single time. I will stand for righteousness every single time. And no threat and and, and no punishment and and nothing you try to bring along is going to deter. We're staying with the word of God. And that's not just me being prideful. That's not just me being dogmatic. That's not just me being rebellious. That's me understanding that this is elevated above your devalued laws that don't mean anything anyways. And one day you're going to stand before my maker. You're going to stand before my Jesus and you'll give an account. And so will I. And I will give an account, and I will be found trusted and found worthy of standing for what he called me to stand for. I know that might sound weird. We have to talk that way in the United States of America, but you see it happening right before your very eyes. If you're awake enough, some people are too asleep to see it happening right before their very eyes. But if we wake up enough, you can see the, 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 the infiltration of inferior thinking. It's happening. You think they put Jesus on the cross because they said, well, he's the Messiah and that's what the Old Testament says we're supposed to do, so we better just follow through with it. They had no idea what they were doing. The Bible tells us if they had even known what they were doing, they would not have crucified the Lord. The religious community thought they were doing the right thing. For their allegiance is no longer to this world because I am not of this world. Verse 15, I'm not asking that you remove them from the world, but I ask that you guard their hearts from evil. Guard their hearts from evil. What's that telling us? He's identifying once again inside out. Inside out. Guard their hearts inside from evil. What is evil? The opinions, the values, 
the ideas that the world comes up with. And so that shows us, that reveals to us, my attention is not to isolate myself further physically from the world. That my focus and my attention should be, how am I guarding my heart in these last days? How am I guarding my heart? Not just uh, not just against the infiltration of sin and what would dishonor God. But let me tell you what else dishonors God. That you now lose the proper focus for the sinner because of the sin that they're in. He's also saying here, you remember what Jesus uh, prayed to his father as the nails were being driven into his hands? Father, I forgive them. But they know not what they do. Yeah, we need to have a stance and a position against sin and against the things of the world and the things where the world is trying to infiltrate. But let me tell you something right now. If we create a stance and a position that is hard against sin, but then intolerant of the one bound in sin, we've lost the heart of the Father. We've lost our mandate. We've lost our assignment to treat them as a child of God, as someone that he loves, of someone that he created, of someone that has purpose. And if we can get the sin out of them, they can achieve great things for the kingdom of God. So he's saying, I'm praying that you guard their hearts so that they don't become bitter and they don't reject and they don't dishonor those that are coming against them because it's not about me against you. It's about us against him. You see the difference? So what's he saying? Guard what's on the inside. Don't set up physical, literal barriers and boundaries in your life that you're never in contact. Now, yes, we're not associating with the world. Those are two different things. Association means I'm buying into their ideals. Association means I'm becoming like you. Association means that, that I'm allowing you to influence me. But Jesus wasn't sectored off from the sinful. He invited them onto his team. But he said, you're going to be here and you're going to learn how I do things. You're going to be here and you're going to learn about the program of heaven. You're going to be here, and you're going, and I'm never once going to bow to you and to your agenda. Peter, get thee behind me, Satan, because your ideas, your plans, your purposes, your opinions will never be elevated in my life above what my father wants. And so many times we get into set apart. No, it means that I can be right in the middle of it all and still be distinguished out from it. Isn't that amazing? Light in darkness. <clears throat> Verse 15, I'm not asking that you remove them from the world, but I ask that you guard their hearts from evil, for they no longer belong to this world any more than I do. Your word is truth, so make them holy by the truth, I have commissioned them to represent me. Man, that's huge. I have commissioned them to represent me. I'm going to make a statement. It might sound kind of difficult, but I'll try to explain it the best of my ability. God did not put us in the earth merely to petition him to operate. God put us in the earth to do what he did. 
and represent him as if he were here himself. That's a difference. See, that's why, you know, the world will come to you and ask you to pray about things. But they don't really care for you to do anything about it. I don't know of one pastor in 2020 when the pandemic started running its course that was asked, what should we do about this pandemic? Other than, can you, can you pray for us? Our nurses are overtaxed. Our hospitals are overrun. We're seeing people on ventilators. We're seeing them die. We're seeing this happen. Can, can y'all pray? Just asking us to do what they think that's all we know how to do. You know, in that same story where Jesus was sleeping in the boat, disciples go to Jesus and ask him to do something about the storm, didn't they? What is prayer? Prayer is what? Communicating with God. So that was their prayer. Jesus, do something. That's prayer. And you know what? Jesus answered their prayer. He got up and did something, didn't he? You know what he said after that? Why do you have such little faith? How would you like to pray a prayer? Have Jesus do something about it, answer the prayer, and then have him respond with, now where's your faith at? That tells me this, that there was something elevated above merely asking God to do something and then him doing something. Apparently, he was saying, you could have taken care of this yourself. It's time for the distinct church, distinguished ones, to rise above, hey, we don't have to just pray about this. We can rebuke this thing right now and we can watch it die. I don't get a lot of responses on that because, I, you know, the, the, the prayer meeting in and of itself is the smallest meeting in the church. We already don't believe that there's much power in that. But there is a doing church. There is a church that will start supplying and applying the power of heaven to every situation. And we're not just going to be asked to pray. We're going to be asked to rebuke. We're going to be asked to tear down. We're going to be asked to reform. We're going to be asked. But that's the transforming, distinct, distinguished church that is set apart and not just going along with the emotions like everybody else. The world wants you to be a powerless church. They want you to fit in their little box of what they think church. You're okay going to your little service hour and a half. They're okay with you holding your little prayer meetings. They're okay with you reading your little Bibles. But the second you start demonstrating power of the Holy Ghost, you're flipping things upside down. The second you start raising the sick, healing the dead, you start seeing demons cast off. You start seeing things broken in societies and over Valdosta, Georgia. The second that shows up, you watch them rise up and they start challenging you and questioning you. They got no problem with what we're doing right now in our little hour and a half block that we have here. But the second, the power of God, it's the power of God that is so resisted and rejected by the devil. They hate power. They hate it when demonstrations of signs and miracles and wonders start. They cannot stand it. They'll watch a miracle and they will, they will, construct, they will construct every criticism of it that they can think of to challenge it. They'll be amazed by a miracle and offended at the same time. That's what happens when you get beyond just preaching. And just doing your programs. And just attending your little hour service once a week. This is what happens when the real church shows up. 
The distinct church shows up. The set-apart church shows up. Start bringing heaven to earth and watch them get disheveled, disrupted. It's like flipping on the light and all the roaches scatter. Watch what happens. We may not be there yet, but I'm not giving up that we will see that church, and we will see it in my lifetime. We will see it, and I believe we'll see it a lot sooner. People that keep asking, where are the miracles? Where are the signs? Go to another country. Go to Asia. Go to Africa. Uh, Matt was just telling me about a guy this morning in Jacksonville, Florida. Heard about a, didn't believe in miracles, didn't believe in God, didn't believe in all this stuff. Heard about a girl that dropped 50 feet, landed on her head, died, rose again three days later. He flew all the way to China because he said, we're not seeing that stuff in my country. I got to come out here to see it. It's happening. The dead are being raised. The lame are walking. The deaf are hearing. The blind are seeing. It's happening. Stop believing in a gospel that only was powerful in the past and only is powerful in the future, but in the present is completely reserved of power. No, we believe that the power of God is in demonstration and operation today. And we need a set-apart church that believes that. Not one that is comfortable with status quo. Not one that is satisfied with just meeting the minimal demands that are required to be a Christian. And asking, well, is it okay if I do this? And can I do that? And is God accepting of it? Quit asking stupid questions about what you can bring in from the world and start getting your life in alignment with his plan because there is nothing in the world that will satisfy you. Worship team, if you come. Set apart. That sounds hard, Pastor. It only sounds hard because we have made buying into everybody's little whimsical, emotional stance commonplace. This ought to be the norm. This should be normal. What? I don't, I don't do that. I don't engage in that. I don't buy that. How's the saying go? Sin will take you further than you want to go, cost you more than you want to pay, keep you longer than you want to stay. It's not worth it, guys. Not when I'm busy trying to bring a kingdom. Well, that's your idea. That's your plan. No, it's not. No, it's not my idea. I'm not that smart. This ain't my idea. This ain't my opinion. This isn't... Well, that's just what Anchor Faith Church believes. No, it's not. It's what the kingdom of God believes. We've created so many denominations that are really doing the same thing that the world is doing. Just meeting preferences rather than saying, what is this kingdom all about? What do I have to let go of to be a part of it? How can I be that set apart? How can I be that distinguished? Recognizably different than the nature and culture around us. And I've heard a lot of people say, as the darker, the darker it gets, the light shines brighter. And I get it. 
as the world grows darker, as it becomes more and more immoral, as it, it, as it abandons and neglects more of the standard of God, and especially even in our own country, we begin bowing our knees to things that are, are grossly, directly against what God's standard is. Yes, the church should get brighter. But I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm not at the mercy of the darkness of the world. Y'all hear what I'm saying? I don't need the world to get darker for me to get brighter. I can get brighter all on my own. That's up to me. You don't light a candle and stick it under a bushel. I'll tell you what, you can be as bright as you want to be tomorrow morning in your world. That's up to you. My light is not dependent on how dark the world is. I don't all of a sudden turn this thing on. When, okay, that's too far. Now let me tell you where I stand on that. Now you need to know where I stand. From, if we all agree or if I'm the only one. Because that's how slowly over time we begin to buy into ideals and opinions that are not of God's word. When you're set apart, when you set your mind to be distinguished, you set your mind to do things God's way, you watch. You see, we become everything. We introduce the world to heaven. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.